I mean, on average in Canada, on the TSX, there are 21% of the board seats are held by women. The even more unfortunate part is Alberta is even worse. It's 13% of Alberta-based companies that are on the TSX composite are held by women. So clearly, we have some work to do. This podcast is brought to you by Dentons, the world's largest law firm with a global team that builds agile, tailored solutions to meet the local, national, and global needs of private and public clients of any size in 183 locations serving 75 countries. Hi, everyone. My name is Heather Barnhouse. I'm a partner and a lawyer in the Edmonton office. Welcome to my podcast where I explore the topic of women in entrepreneurship and leadership and the ecosystem supporting the growth of this segment. Today, I'm joined by Christina Williams, the CEO of the Alberta Enterprise Corporation, or AEC, which is an Alberta Crown Corporation formed in 2008, and it works to connect Alberta inventors, innovators, and entrepreneurs to money, markets, and mentors. Welcome, Christina. Thank you for having me today. Well, we're we're very pleased you're here. Could you give us a little bit of background about yourself, how you got here, how you got to the role, and a little bit of information about the Alberta Enterprise Corporation? Absolutely. So I'm actually Swedish by birth. So I moved to Canada after I finished university. I happened to meet a Canadian when I was studying in Sweden. And so (laughs) coming from Sweden and having gone to law school in Sweden, it's interesting because I came to Canada believing that Canada and Sweden were were fairly similar. But I, I noticed one difference. And that was in Sweden, I had never really thought in the concept of male versus female. I had always thought in the concept of very qualified or not qualified to do the job at hand. And I came to Canada and I noticed that it was slightly different. As a female business leader, I I had to yell a little bit louder to be heard, I felt. I mean, even looking at the numbers between Swedish board representation versus Canadian board representation on publicly listed companies and crown corporations, it's a slight difference. So I found that very interesting. Now, I've always worked in very male-dominated businesses, so I'm not just the CEO of a, a financial investor uh, through AEC, but I'm also the Swedish Honorary Consul for Northern Alberta, and that's traditionally been a very male-dominated also industry in the terms of the diplomatic corps. So it's, it's been very interesting to kind of watch the development over the last number of years right. in Canada and how we're, we are starting to progress on, on the female entrepreneurship side and the female board representation side. With AEC, clearly as investors, we are investing as a limited partner in venture capital funds, and we have 19 VCs in our portfolio. And these 19 VCs, they have about $2 billion of assets under management and around 250 companies in the portfolio. So it's a fairly substantial portfolio, and most of them being technology startups. And the VC industry being what it is, it's incredibly male-dominated. So as an industry, we have gotten together and said, okay, well, we need to do something about this. As investors, we had a discussion and we said, what what should we do? Because we, as investors into venture capital funds, we can affect how the VCs act and what type of individuals work with the VC fund in the terms of what type of investments we do. On the national level, we have worked together with the CVCA and the CVCA, CVCA, so the National Venture Capital Association, has done a lot of work on the diversity and inclusion side, creating a diversity and inclusion panel or, or kind of committee 
that they've been working hard. And what happens now is that if we look at the national conference, I jokingly say we have a national conference every year that brings together all the investors on the venture capital and private equity side. And, and I jokingly say 10 years ago when I started going to this, there were 10 women and, and then 500 guys in suits. I'm happy to say that now there's actually 20% of, of the people are women. And oh, every panel, yeah, which is great. There's a push to try to have a female as part of the uh, panel and or, or someone from a diverse background. There's also always two co-chairs now, one female and one male. And, and so there's a major push from the industry side to do something about this. Because interestingly enough, if we look at how, how VCs invest, they tend to be, as I said, very male-oriented in the partnership level. And right. then they tend to ask specific questions of female entrepreneurs versus male entrepreneurs, which is interesting. Interesting. So, yeah, it is interesting. Yeah. So one way to try to alleviate that is to get more female investors on the VC level so that they then can influence some of the decision making on how many female um, entrepreneurs do they bring in. And one interesting example, we reinvested in a fund called Azure Capital that's based out of San Francisco, and they had an unusual amount of female CEOs in their portfolio. And I actually asked yeah. them how, how that came to be. And it started off with that one of their most successful companies they invested in had a female CEO. And once she then went through that investment and, and exited that investment, she started talking in her network saying, well, you know what, Azure was a really good investor. And if you're looking for an investor, you should go to Azure. So a lot of her network then started approaching this VC fund because they had a reputation of, of being very good investors uh, with a female CEO. So they had an unusual amount of inbound deal flow that then they could take advantage of that might not necessarily have come to the other VC funds. So I found that very interesting. And they're affiliated or organized with the that, that organization called the 51, which is representative of 51% of, of the population sort of underrepresented in, in uh, financial matters and investments. So it's interesting how they, they've tied that together and, and brought that north of the border um, to, you know, hopefully try to get some success with with the, the same premise or the same concept of what they, uh, they started south of the border. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if we look at them, yeah, the Alberta, so, and a lot of our VC funds, when we, when we look at investments, we now actively ask them about what's your strategy about um, diversity and inclusion? Uh, what's your hiring plans? How are you looking at this? And we're seeing that more and more and more of the funds are now hiring females and people with diverse backgrounds into investment roles. Previously, it would have been that they were maybe on a CFO role or, or maybe on kind of an admin role within the fund, but now they're actually coming into the senior investment role. So that's hugely positive. And we have another fund called McRock, for example, where there's two main partners. One is a female, one is a male. And again, the Alberta representative is a female. So it's starting to happen slowly. So slow and steady, but progress. It sounds like there's progress in the right direction I want to shift a little bit, um, still within the within the realm of of investment and and what Alberta Enterprise Corporation um, you know does and and the, the type of funds that it invests in or the type of projects that it that it might take on. And I I noticed that in 
think it was in May of uh, 2020, the Alberta Enterprise Corporation launched its third early stage angel investment fund, I think around $10 million uh, threshold. What what does that mean for Albertans, particularly in this you know very uncertain time where we've got obviously the economic uncertainty caused by not only the collapse of oil prices, which is material in Alberta, but also the COVID-19 quarantine um, scenario that we had occurring at the same time. What does it what does it mean for Albertans looking forward and how they can sort of deploy technology? What does that investment mean for them? Is that a good news story or what are your comments on that? Yeah, no, totally it's a good news story. What we did a couple of years ago, and we do this every couple of years, is we mine the province to see how many tech startups are there and what are their stage and what sector do they invest in. And uh, so we did, the last one was in 2018, and we identified that there were 1,200 tech startups in the province of Alberta. Wow. And these are companies wow. that, yeah, it's really interesting. And I mean, the predominant, we found, uh, stage for these were that they are what we call earlier stage. So they would be kind of in the venture terms, what's called series A and earlier. So that means that there's some early customer traction, some early revenue, but even as early as there is an idea, we have beta testing, but we don't really have any revenue. So the bulk of those companies, 1,200 companies, are in that early stage. Our job with Alberta Enterprise is to create access to venture capital for those tech companies so that they can stay and grow here in the province so they don't have to leave to find that money elsewhere. And also that they can access all the resources in terms of markets and, and other things that they need to sell their product through these VC funds. Now, because most of them are that early, we realized a number of years ago that we have to start working with investments as early as angels. So these are individuals who are making investments into earlier stage companies. So before the VCs come in even. And right, so we created the Accelerate Fund model. What we launched this year was the Accelerate Fund 3. So this is our third go around with the same model where we invest $10 million that's managed by a fund manager that then co-invest together with angel investors into these early stage technology companies to help them grow to a stage where the VCs can then come in with the bigger checks and the bigger financing. Mm -hmm. So it's really bridging the companies from that very early stage until they're VC ready. Uh, interesting. So that time when they're pretty vulnerable because they maybe don't have such, you know, such traction that, that some of the later stage companies do, and they don't necessarily know where they're going to go to get their funds. And so if we can keep those companies uh, funded and keep them growing here in Alberta, then there's a, a greater chance that they'll be able to, to be successful in this market. Yeah. And I mean, a great example of a company is a company called Decisive Farming. It's based out of Aracana. It's a it's an ag tech company, precision agriculture, and two Alberta boys that started it and our Accelerate Fund One invested in it. It grew to a point where one of our uh, other VCs called McRock came in and invested in it together with EDC. And then this year it was actually acquired by Telus. They're going to keep the team in Alberta and they're going to continue growing the company in Alberta. And oh, so great. what's that done? Yeah, which has, is excellent. And now that money has benefited a whole bunch of Alberta investors and also the company is continuing to grow in Alberta. So overall, it's a, it's a very good success story. And I mean, back to your question around COVID and what does Accelerate Fund do? If we look at with COVID and what's happened in Alberta, 
at the end of the day, specifically on the earlier stage, and the combination of COVID together with the energy prices being incredibly low, these are two black swan events that happen at the same time. Potentially, many individuals have had their net worth uh, reduced, so they may be less inclined to invest currently in in high-tech companies that are very risky. One of the good timings about the Accelerate Fund coming out now is that we will help them make the investments in these companies in that time period where it's really needed. The other good thing about going on right now is there's now actually a great opportunity to do investments. We're seeing some of the companies that are in the portfolio that we have one that's, for example, connected to cash flow management. They're doing incredibly well because, right, guess what people have to do right now? They have to cash flow manage their businesses. (laughs) So clearly they're doing really well. There's another portfolio company that we have um, that does uh, teacher tools, so tools for teachers, and they are doing spectacularly well during this time because now everybody had to go online, as we all know, right. and we've all experienced personally. So there's many of our portfolio companies that are actually flourishing in the time of COVID right. because of the changes yeah. of all of us having to go online. Yeah, it's interesting. I've noticed that a lot in my practice as well, that there's there are certain companies that you know, we're really, really sort of on an accelerated growth curve due to COVID, due, you know, because of the, either the service or the product that they're, they're providing and the timing, while they maybe didn't think that they were going to grow uh, this quarter or this year, the kind of the confluence of the, of the timing and the, the growth opportunity has really allowed them to take off much faster than they maybe had, had thought. In addition to your role as the CEO of Alberta Enterprise, you have another role that I know about um, with an organization called Women on Boards. Can you tell us a little bit about that organization? Absolutely. What's been interesting in Canada, and I mentioned this a little bit at the beginning of our our talk, is if we look at the board representation for uh, women on boards of publicly listed companies, uh, it's not that great, if I may say so. I mean, on average in Canada... On the TSX, there are 21% of the board seats are held by women. The even more unfortunate part is Alberta is even worse. It's 13% of Alberta-based companies that are on the TSX composite are held by women. So clearly, we have some work to do. There was an organization called Women on Boards that was launched in Calgary by some very high-profile Calgary women, um, Heather Calvert, Linda Hohal, Jennifer Corey, and Andrea Gortz. And... The whole mission behind it is to see Alberta be a national leader in female representation on boards. And the mission is to enable board-ready women to serve by creating a community of meaningful connection and support. So this is really about the women who are ready to serve on corporate boards, but for some reason or another, they're just not getting connected into this network and they're not getting those seats. So it's about facilitating, ensuring that women can network and not just network with other women. It's also right. network with the recruiters, network with the men who are in the positions of power to make board recommendations. So they created something called Women on Board. And now we're going to launch it or we're launching it in, in Edmonton. The goal of this Great. is to have networking and educational events that cater to these women so that we can create those touch points where the women can get access to those opportunities that they should have. This is certainly something that I'm personally passionate about, of how do we get more women on board. 
Yeah, and I also I also think it's really important sort of from a pipeline perspective. So, you know, if you're just out of law school or you're just sort of new into your career and you you have your sights set on some governance related work or some board related work um, in the future, I think it's great to have an organization like this that can start to build a bit of a pipeline where women, you know, can can learn from others. They can get the mentorship from other people who who have that same vision and sort of get plugged into that network earlier in their career. So that when they get to the point where they are ready, when they're board ready, um, their their name is known and they've got some of that networking um, started so that they won't be such, you know, so far behind the, the start line um, at the point where they feel that they're ready. And so I, I really like the, the vision that it sort of builds the pipeline and it, it creates those opportunities for mentorship and development of kind of the next generation of people. Yeah. And I mean, if you're one of those um, listeners out there that feel that you're ready to be on a board, I highly encourage you to go to womanonboards.ca to sign up. And then you will be invited to when we are able to hold our first event and we can be closer than two meters apart from each other. We will <laughs> right. uh, put you on the invite list for our first event that will come up when we can. Um, I have one more final question related to the board uh, aspect, and that is, and this is maybe something that you alluded to with the, some of the differences that you noticed when you came to Canada from Sweden initially, and, and about how there was just a very different sort of way of thinking in the world of governance specifically. Do you see that there are any specific challenges that women have to overcome in in relation to governance specifically, or is it just the, the sort of the parity issue of of men and women um, more more generally. There's always a discussion around should you or should you not require boards and companies to have a certain amount of representation. And there's different countries that have taken a different approach to this. Where Norway has regulated it, Sweden actually has not. In Canada, I believe it's coming. So that's one way of doing it. Then there's the unofficial things, which are around networking for candidates. So that, I mean, we briefly talked about that, of how can you get Actually, the female names even show up. But right. also, how can you, how can you, from a governance perspective, or when you run the meetings, when do you put the meetings? Do you put them yeah. at 7 a.m. in the morning, or do you put them at uh, 10 a.m. in the morning? Because let's be honest, a lot of females who have children have responsibility to take their children to school, for example. So if you right. start meetings right. really early, then they can't show up because they have to take the kids to school. So there's informal barriers as well to having females on a board that also have to be looked at. Um, I mean, on a happy news story, I, which I didn't mention before, which I think we should mention, which is if yeah. you look in Alberta, on the tech sector, uh, in the Dale study that I mentioned earlier, we actually found that 30% of technology companies in Alberta have a female founder or co-founder, which is more than twice the national average in Canada. So we are for sure trying to make sure that more of that's going to happen and that those companies will be funded. And there's some great initiatives going on. On the investment side, we have venture funds that are focused on female investments. There's one called Stand Up Ventures. BDC has a Women in Tech Fund. And one of the annual conferences that we're involved in called Accelerate AB, there was a Women in Tech portion of that last year. So it's coming. We just have to run a little bit yeah. further. 
Yeah, so there's lots of groundwork that's been laid and there's lots of hope that, you know, we will we'll get there. It's just, as you say, we need to get a little bit more traction and, and, and move it forward, accelerate it a little bit faster so that females can get out there a little bit sooner than than the path the traction pathway that they're that they're currently on. Christina, it's been great speaking with you and learning more about the initiatives and particularly the women on boards and letting our listeners know how they can decide to participate and get involved in that initiative. So thank you very much for joining the podcast today. We're very pleased to have you. Yeah, and thank you for having me and it's a great podcast and I look forward to listening to your future episodes. Great. Well, thank you for joining the podcast today. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe or follow to get notified when we have an update.